On this episode of Catholics in the Capitol, former U.S. Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Jim Nicholson, Jacob Heather, founder of the All Saints Museum in California, Capitol News with Michael Wasserbaugh, Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, and Dan Dan, the radio man on what to do in Washington, D.C. All this and more. Stay tuned. Catholics in the Capitol starts right now. Good afternoon, friends. I am your radio host, Christina Cox, and we're back today on your favorite talk show, Catholics in the Capitol, coming to you from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., on Friday, February 16th. Well, we're all going to talk about some top stories on what Catholics and Christians are doing in Washington behind the scenes. We're going to bring some Capitol Hill breaking news and exclusive interviews on faith and prayer. Well, let me tell you, today we're going to learn how God has a special purpose for each one of us in our lives. Many of us don't know the reason why we were born or what our purpose is on earth. But soon God tells us, you may not even know it. You may think you want one career, but then God brings you down the path of another. You may think you will never get out of debt and the world seems like a doom, or you get rid of a sickness. How do you do that? Instead, you pray hard, and God blesses your life with a turnaround and then an abundance and free from worry. You may not know where your life is going, but on Catholics in the Capital, our show of faith, you will learn how to believe and trust Jesus Christ and his plans for us. Today's show is the theme of the power of the prayer. Are you listening right now? Well, let's pray together. Oh God, please hear our prayer today. Thank you for all that you do for me in my life. I love and trust you to do the best for me. Thank you, oh Lord, for all the things you do that I cannot see. I am truly grateful for everything you have given me. I praise you, O Lord, Jesus Christ. Thank you for believing in me, even when I do not feel confident or feel I deserve it. Thank you for standing by me, especially in the times of danger, and placing me under your protection with your holy angels. Let me love you with all my heart and give me the strength and faith to get through this day. I ask you to help me with this particular request, which I need today, and grant me an answer to my prayer, if it be by your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we have some interesting interviews today. Two special guests. These two different people live in different places, have had different circumstances. They are different ages, and they live completely different lives but they are alike when it comes to God and their faith. Their lives have changed for the better, having a strong faith, trust, and knowing and loving God. Two devout Catholics on how their faith brought them together to help and inspire other people. How they will inspire us. You will not want to change that dial. Well, first we have coming up will be former Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Jim Nicholson. And I know Mr. Secretary for many years, He's such an inspiration and a true mentor to me. First, Jim Nicholson, who grew up in a very poor farm in Strubble, Iowa, in a house with no plumbing or running water. And many times he went to bed hungry. Can you imagine that? 
but he was a humble young teenager and able to study very hard, and he came from a family of churchgoers that prayed through the tough times. It was the miracle of the Lord when he was accepted into the United States Military Academy at West Point when he was a young man. God had a plan for him. He fought in the Vietnam War and he served his country. He earned so many bronze stars and many awards for his bravery. He retired as a colonel. But life was just beginning for Jim. God gave him more. The more he prayed, the better it got. Later, he became a lawyer, and then he went into real estate. Then he did politics in Colorado. And later, he was appointed the head of the Republican Party. And then soon after the party won, he was appointed U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See to work between President George W. Bush and Pope John Paul II. Wow, how did this happen? It was God's plan for Jim. My second interview is about a family man named Jacob Heather who had a dream to start a saint's museum. And he used to pray to the saints to intercede for him all the time. And he studied the saints and he knew all their stories. So God led him to collecting relics of the saints. And he discovered the miraculous things that the relics were going to do to help heal people. And later he started the All Saints Museum in San Jose, California. Jake is a young father with three beautiful children and a devout Catholic. You won't want to miss this story. Today you will hear about the power of the relics and the prayer and how they work together for a greater power. So while I'm on the subject of the power of the prayer, I'm going to ask our co-host and friend Michael Wasabot to join me in the studio now for some news. Hi, Michael. How hey, are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. How was your Ash Wednesday? It was real nice. Up here in the EWTN studios, we had a priest come up, and he said Mass and delivered ashes, so it was really nice. We got to do it in the office, and fantastic day. How about yours? Oh, wonderful. I went over to the Cathedral of St. Matthew's at the 530 Mass. It was very, very busy there. They were lined up all the way out to the front door, and I always enjoy that and get to see so many people that live and work in Washington, so it was very nice. And checked in, we saw Father uh, Jack Hurley there. Beautiful. Always a great time when you get to talk to Father Jack. Yes, it's true. So, Michael, we started our show this afternoon talking about prayer, the importance of the power of prayer, and President Donald Trump spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast, and he took the power of the prayer very seriously. He closed his eyes, and he meditated a moment to thank God in his own words. Did you think about President Donald Trump at the National Prayer Breakfast? Did it have any meaning to you? Yeah, I I was always impressed with the National Prayer Breakfast. I think it's a great day for prayer to be brought to the forefront as all the Uh, as all the news agencies cover it, and to have America, a nation of believers together, and to be strengthened by the power of prayer. One thing that really caught my eye was when President Trump said, all we have to do is open our eyes and look around us, and we can see God's hand in the courage of our fellow citizens. We see the work of God's love in the power of souls. I thought that was really inspiring, extremely powerful, and it's great to see that a president cares so deeply about prayer. Yes, do you remember when he was sworn in, he had his mother's Bible on one hand, and he also had Abraham Lincoln's on the other hand. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. So I guess his mother must have been Mother Mary, who I met before. She was was a very religious person and uh, a great God believer and person of faith. So she did something good there for the president. Yeah, 
Absolutely. It's always a great thing whenever you have the background of prayer instilled in, in your life at a very young age, but some people might not be able to get it at a young age. So I think with the National Prayer Breakfast, those people that may not have had it, maybe that's an opportunity for them to get involved and to see the power of pr- the true power of prayer. Yes, and also to see some people from Capitol Hill attend. You know, sometimes they're so involved in political and government down at, at the Capitol that we don't really hear what their opinions are. I think it was really interesting to see the speech from House Whip Representative Stephen Scalise. Oh, yeah. I mean, who can't remember his story? Such a inspirational story. He was tragically shot last fall while playing baseball with some of the Congress members. And honestly, it was a time where a lot of people did not know how he would survive. How he was going to make it. It it was pretty serious. You know, it was a very serious, it still is serious, but a very serious incident at the time. But uh, Representative Scalise was at the National Prayer Breakfast as well. That's right. And he's a Catholic man. And this is what he said. This is the quote that really jumped out to me. He said, quote, I've always been a man of faith. I don't go around talking about it a lot. I have a conversation with God every night. I talk to God, and I don't just talk to him to ask him for things. I try to remember every night to thank God for the good things that happened that day so that if there is something that I want, I'm just not asking him. It should be a two-way street. And that is what Representative Scalise said. And it's important to realize, and I'm glad he said that, because a lot of times when we go to prayer, we have a wish list, essentially, if you will. Dear God, oh, please, let me get that new job. Let me get this. Let me get. It's never, thank you, God, for what you have bestowed upon me. And I think for somebody in that magnitude, in that position, on that stage, to be able to speak of that nature, I think it really says a lot. And also, when he first got shot, he did have this whole conversation with God. He said, I couldn't see anything. So the first thing I thought of was to pray. He started praying, and he said, I'm going to put this in God's hand. So that shows a great deal of faith. Absolutely. And what better thing to do at that time? I'm sure, you know, going through, I've never been and hopefully never will be, but it has to be such a terrible shock to your entire body and to your entire being that what else to do than to just pray? So you think God used Stephen Scalise to show the people from the Capitol and the Congress uh, members how he had faith, and maybe they need to use a little bit more faith in their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. It never hurts, right? And that's why we call this show Catholics in the Capitol. (laughs) Full circle brings it all around. Very true. Well, thank you, Mike. That was inspiring to hear those stories and words about prayer. And that's a story of two powerful men in Washington, D.C. that call on God to pray. I will remember that. You know, a quick reminder of who else is joining us today. We have Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, and he is back to talk about, well, not only the power of prayer, because he's a man that knows, but Father Jack will be joining us to talk about some special saints and President's Day. And also, what is the meaning of the chair of St. Peter? Then joining me later will be Dan Dan, the radio man for What to Do in Washington, D.C. I can't wait to talk to Dan about some exciting things to do this weekend. We're going to take a short break now. I am Christina Cox, your radio host on Catholics in the Capitol. We will be right back. And now a word from our sponsor. Established in 1992, the Susan Andrew Mona Foundation was founded on the element of a mother's love for her son. 26 years later, this local nonprofit operates on nothing less and carries on the tradition of neighbors helping neighbors. 
For more information, to donate, or to follow our projects, please find us on facebook.com backslash S-A-Mona Foundation. That's facebook.com backslash S-A-M-O-N-A Foundation. Welcome back. I am Christina Cox, your radio host for Catholics in the Capitol. And I'm going to welcome our very special guests. Former Secretary Jim Nicholson is with us today, and we have a very special interview with him. Just want to tell you a little bit about his bio, that Jim was the former Secretary of the Department of Veteran Affairs from 2005 to 2007. Prior to his tension at the VA, he served as the U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See. He also was the former chairman of the Republican National Committee from 1997 to 2001. And also today, former Secretary Nicholson is currently senior counsel at the law firm of Brownstein, Hyatt, Farber, Shrek, and is co-chairman of the National Advisory Board of the Catholic Leadership Institute. Welcome on our show, Secretary Nicholson. How are you? Well, I'm well. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Thank you for joining us on our new show, Catholics in the Capital. I know you're such a devout Catholic, and I would wanted to ask you a little bit about your Catholic's experiences growing up, if you would tell our listeners. You have quite an interesting story. Well, I, I don't know how interesting it is, but it was certainly important uh, to me. It remains important. I was born and raised a Catholic. I'm a cradle Catholic, and I served Mass in uh, the little wood frame church uh, in my little town in Iowa. I served for six years in a row in Latin. And uh, my mother was a, a strong influence to all seven of us kids. Uh, my father, unfortunately, was a, a chronic alcoholic, and uh, we had pretty tough going. But the church was, and my mother were were our rock, our rocks, and uh, so my faith has always been important to me, and I always <laughs> call upon it, and, you know, Blessed Mother, and Christ, and, you know, in times of need, and as I grow older, I'm trying to also uh, express more of my gratitude for all that they've done and have come through for me in my life, uh, not just you know, when I need something, but I'm trying to be more grateful. Exactly. You know, we all walk through the storms of life, and we come out on the other side, and uh, we need Jesus Christ and his mother Mary, and even the saints intercede for us. So all of that is all part of growing up Catholic and being a devout Catholic in our lives. I mean, it was so fascinating that you were the U.S. ambassador to this Holy See, and what was that role going back and forth between President George W. Bush and Pope John Paul II? In the main, it was very, very cordial and pleasant and constant and effective, I think. Uh, President Bush came to see Pope John Paul II three times, and more than any other president have visited a pope in Rome. Uh, they had a genuine fondness and respect for each other. They had a great alignment of you know, of values and respect for life and and uh, the outlook about religious freedom and trafficking in people and, and uh, taking care of, better care of people in Africa, both with respect to food and disease control. There was, uh, however, a, a major 
fracture, and that was in 2003 when the Pope announced his adamant uh, resistance to our going into Iraq. And as you know, and the world knows, we went into Iraq in spite of that. Uh, but that didn't uh, that didn't totally fracture the relationship. It continued on uh, with the great alignment on all the other things they had in common. And the Pope never once said it was immoral for us to go into Iraq. That's interesting. Well, you wrote a book, I know, of your experiences. I have a copy, you know, of when you were ambassador. Tell us a little bit what's in that book. Well, I wrote a little book about the history of the relationship between the United States and the Holy See, and it's really quite fascinating. My, the first uh, contact I could find was in 1788 when the Pope asked the new president, George Washington, if he could appoint a bishop in this new country. Hmm. Washington thought that was kind of an odd request and responded, of course you can. That's what this revolution was about, was freedom, and it certainly included religious freedom, whereupon the Pope appointed uh, John Carroll, the first bishop in the United States, who became the Bishop of Baltimore and founded Georgetown University, the oldest Catholic college in America. Well, how can we get a copy of that book if our listeners are listening on WMET right now? Regrettably, it's out of print. Uh, People have told me that they're able, uh, with some success, to getting them on eBay, uh, but it it is now out of print. So uh, I guess eBay may be the best bet. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. I know that you're on the Catholic Advisory Committee for President Trump. I wanted to ask you about what does that committee do, and do you think he's a good president for American Catholics? Our committee, you know, has tried to be uh, useful, President Trump, and informative, and, uh, you know, and also kind of making sure that Catholic point of view is uh, is known and abided, and uh, we have a, a good relationship with the president. He sees eye to eye, uh, you know, with the, with the church on almost everything. I mean, there are I'm pro-life. He's pro-life, the, you know, religious freedom, trafficking in people. There are uh, some differences in the area of capital punishment, uh, which is perpetual. That's preceded uh, President Trump. And uh, there, there are differences on immigration and the Pope has put himself into the debate on uh, climate change, and so there are some obvious disagreements there. But on those foundational foundational values about the sanctity of life and, and the freedom of, of worship and expression, uh, we're, we're lined up uh, all four. Well, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you were on the Board of Advisors for a wonderful leadership program and group. Could you tell us all about that? It has to do with the uh, bishops and the priests of what this Catholic leadership program does? With pleasure. Uh, it's called the Catholic Leadership Institute, and I I did uh, co-chair the board for, I think, eight years. Uh, Cardinal O'Malley of Boston and I were the co-chairs of the advisory board, and what the Catholic Leadership Institute does is to uh, assist by providing uh, leadership and management, organizational training, 
priests and bishops. You know, they get a wonderful education in theology and philosophy and homiletics and apologetics. But if they aren't born with it, they don't have some of the fundamental leadership skills that they need in the positions that we put them in. And we put them there a lot younger than we used to because of the shortage of our priests. So this is filling that gap, and it really has been providing a very, very important, useful function to our clergy. Well, it's very true. Let's say you're a pastor of a new church, or you've got to look over an organiza- a Catholic organization, and you need those management skills or accounting and or so forth to help you. Cause the, Absolutely uh, right. Right. So that's a wonderful program. And how long does it take? How many weeks do they have to attend? When they, when well, they sign the up for that, program, the basic program, which is called uh, Good Leaders, Good Shepherds, is for for the priests. The ordinary, the the you know the bishop of a diocese has to agree to have us in his diocese. I think they have to have a minimum of twenty priests sign up for it, and it's uh, it lasts uh, about a year and a half, and they dedicate a day, a day and a half, a month to it, and then at the end, there's kind of a resident program at the end and one of one of the byproducts of this that we didn't anticipate is that it's it's really been a, a catalyst for the priests in the respective diocese to get to know each other better because of this time they spend together and uh, and it, it's you know fostered a lot of friendships and fellowship and bonding among the priests and that's been a, a wonderfully happy Happy time for them to be have these new relationships and people that they can yeah. call friends. Well, that that's very interesting. I wanted to move on to ask you, a lot of people know you were U.S. Secretary of Veterans Affairs, a graduate of West Point, a former ranger. Can you tell us what is the biggest thing that the under the new administration that the Veterans Affairs is trying to achieve? They're trying to make the... Uh, provision of medical care prompter and more convenient to veterans, and which entails sometimes allowing a veteran to go into the civilian sector to get his or her medical needs attended to for convenience purposes. Sometimes in a busy area, they may have to wait too long otherwise, or there may be certain specialties that are not available in that locale for veterans. So they're working hard to open open the system up for the convenience of the veterans. And interestingly, it's somewhat controversial, mm-hmm. but, but uh, they're showing a lot of leadership there, I think, in doing that. Well, that's wonderful to hear. We're all uh, wanted the vets to be able to get their physical care and their mental care, and everybody cares about that program today. Well, we only have a couple of minutes, so I do want to ask you, Secretary Nicholson, what do you think about President Trump moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem? Is it a good idea? Well, it's a fulfillment of one of his campaign pledges, and he got elected, so it reflects that, you know, uh, probably a majority of the people in this country support that it is it is fraught with controversy in the in the region out there and it's one of the reasons it hasn't been done by any of his predecessors because there've been this 
perpetual effort to try to bring about a reconciliation and a peace accord so that they might live better with each other or even have a two-state solution. And so in the near term, this will set that back because the, uh, you know, the Arab world will have to uh, dutifully express its outrage at this bold move by President Trump. Long term, I think that that will go away, and and it, you know that is the rightful, I think, uh, locus for the capital of that sovereign country, Israel, and therefore, in the long term, uh, it will. Well, move. well, we'll have to wait and see what happens, and we'll have to pray on it. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Catholics in the Capital, Secretary Nicholson. It's always great to hear your voice, and I want to wish you well, and thank you again for coming on today's show. Well, it was a pleasure, and it's an important thing you're doing, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. We'll have to have you on again. God bless. Hi, this is Dan DiBiase, General Manager of WMET 1160 AM, with a reminder of our Spring share starting March 6th and going through the night. The theme is All In. Please tune in March 6th through the 9th to learn how Catholic Radio is saving souls. I encourage you to call in during the share to make a financial pledge to help keep this station on air in the Washington, D.C. area. If you cannot make a financial pledge, we ask for your prayers. We thank you in advance for your generosity and prayers. On Saturday, February 24th, from 9.45 a.m. to noon, all women are invited to the St. John Paul II National Shrine for Tea and Rosary for Mothers. There's a short presentation, breakfast, meditation on the rosary, silent prayer, discussion with the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy, and reconciliation. Babysitting is available, and all are welcome to stay for Mass at noon. To RSVP, go to teaandrosary.eventbrite.com. St. Francis de Sales Parish in Percival, Virginia, on March 3rd, will host renowned theologian and speaker Dr. Scott Hahn. Dr. Scott Hahn will give two talks about the mercy of our faith. The first talk will be the miracle of mercy in marriage, and the second talk will be the miracle of mercy in the Eucharist. You need to register for the event. To learn more about the event or to register, go to stpaulcenter.com forward slash miracles. That's stpaulcenter.com forward slash miracles. This is Monsignor Walter Rossi, the rector of the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., and you are listening to 1160 AM WMET on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And now with us in the studio, I have Father Jack Hurley. And speaking of the power of prayer... We have a man with us, a priest from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, who knows a lot about the power of prayer, and he's going to talk to us today about some saints this week. How are you, Father? How are you doing? Fine, thank you. We had, a, of course, a very busy Ash Wednesday, but um, now as we're entering into uh, Lent, it's uh, power of prayer is certainly very important. I see there are two Ps there, power and prayer, and... Uh, I was thinking for chatting for a few minutes about a few other Ps. Because this coming week, the focus seems to be on the Ps. First comes celebration of our presidents, living and dead, on Monday. Then come the Peters, 
On Wednesday, the 21st, we celebrate Peter Damien, bishop and doctor of the church. But the big church feast is the next day, February 22nd, the feast of the chair of St. Peter the Apostle. Now for some, it would seem strange to celebrate a chair. It reminds me of driving through Gardner, Massachusetts, the quote, chair city, unquote, and seeing the huge chair outside the local city hall there. However, when we celebrate the chair of St. Peter, what we're doing is honoring this remarkable successor of Jesus as the primary pastor and teacher of the church. The chair, in Latin, cathedra, is the symbol of his teaching authority, as it is of every bishop or archbishop. In the sacristy of St. Matthew's Cathedral, there is a special chair whose current sole occupant is our chief pastor, Cardinal Donald Wuerl. Thus, the name cathedral is an indication of the location of the seat of the bishop or archbishop, as may be the case. Peter, who was martyred about 64 AD, some 30 years after the crucifixion of the Lord, was Christ's chief apostle. Tradition considers him the first pope. And while his original Hebrew name, we know, was Simon, Jesus gave him a new name, Peter, the Aramaic word for rock. And we know the unique relationship that Jesus had with Peter from the early days of his public life to post-resurrection appearances and his special commissioning by the Lord. And indeed, Peter is the most frequently mentioned apostle in the four Gospels. Yet, it is in the first part of the book of the Acts of the Apostles by St. Luke that we recognize his ministry of pastoral leadership as a norm for every one of his successors, right off from the first day of Pentecost. And this involved witnessing to the faith, overseeing how it is preserved, and speaking in the name of the universal church, as does his successor, our amazing Pope Francis. And it seems therefore appropriate that the church designated in his honor here in Washington is on Capitol Hill. That's right. Been there a few times myself. You know, I think it's really interesting what you've said about the chair of St. Peter. I always tend to go over to that and look at that in St. Peter's Basilica, you know, and it's so ornate and so beautiful. And then you see this empty seat and you think about Peter, you know, when you see no one sitting there and his role of being the first apostle to build, you know, build my church on this rock, said Jesus, right? Right. And of course, in a way, he has two seats because the cathedral of Rome is St. John Lateran, and that's where the, his cathedral, you know, well, would also be located. And as you point out, certainly at St. Peter's, you know, that's where the principal seat is. And indeed, I suppose for that reason, we have this reference to the Holy See. Yes. 
So, and another quick question, Father. On President's Day, the Mass, of course, is going to be done. Do you find that a lot of people come out and pray for the presidents that have passed and the president for today? Do they come to Mass at the Cathedral of St. Matthews? Does it um, fill up? It is, it is a, uh, an official federal holiday, and so we only have two Masses. Mm-hmm. And we certainly would welcome those that would come out and certainly past presidents and the present president can certainly use prayers. Yes, he could. Well, thank you, Father Jack, for joining us. Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews. Mona Electric Group is the leader in commercial and industrial electrical contracting in the D.C. Baltimore metro area with over 700 employees and over 250 trucks on the road. Founded by Cap Mona in 1966, Mona leads the industry in electrical service, renovation construction, new construction, fire alarm system, data system, and security system solutions. And with over $10 million in charitable giving as published in the Washington Business Journal, Mona Electric Group is the responsible choice in commercial and industrial electrical contracting. Visit GetMona.com for details. That's GetMona.com. Are you looking for a school for your daughter, grade 6 through 12, that offers an inspiring education grounded in the teachings of the Catholic Church? Oakcrest School, an independent all-girls school, has been doing that for over 40 years. For more information or to set up a tour at its beautiful new campus centrally located in Vienna, Virginia, go to oakcrest.org forward slash W-M-E-T. That is oakcrest.org forward slash W-M-E-T. Do you want to learn how you can share the gospel in normal conversations? If so, on Saturday, February 24th at 7 p.m. in the conference room of Our Lady of Angels Catholic Church in Woodbridge, Virginia, Father Thomas Cavanaugh will discuss his new book, How to Win Friends for Christ, One Conversation at a Time. The event is open to teens and adults. The book will be available for purchase. It's February 24th at 7 p.m. at Our Lady of Angels Catholic Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Well, it's the fun part of the hour when we have Dan, Dan, the radio man, on what to do in Washington, D.C. Hi, Dan. How are you today? I'm great, Christina. How are you? I'm doing well. How was your Valentine's Day last week with your wife? Uh, it was good. So, you know, I have my wife and my uh, three-year-old daughter, so they're both uh, my little uh, Valentine's there. Uh-huh. But uh gave my wife, uh, you know, typically what I do each year is I, I send her work a dozen roses. Oh, how nice. So did that, and... Uh, Get her. She's big and sweet, so I got her a, a specialty cake for Valentine's, and for my daughter, I got her various little treats and a little arrangement of flowers. So yeah, it was very fun. Given it's also Ash Wednesday, so trying to do right. both on the same day, but it was a great time. Wonderful. And how was your Ash Wednesday? What did you give up? Not so much what I'm giving up, but as probably trying to add. I'm I'm trying to incorporate praying the rosary more. Wonderful. Um, not quite working it daily, but trying to see if I can do at least uh, a couple decades a day and then try to work myself up to a full rosary. That's a, a great day. idea. That yeah. works. Well, great. We look like we have a nice weekend coming up, and the weather's going to be 45 to 55 this weekend, so it's nice to go out and get some fresh air. What do you think? Yeah, hopefully, you know, we're in mid-February, but hopefully I know uh, Punxsutawney uh, Phil says differently that winter's going to be longer, but uh, hopefully it's going to end pretty shortly here in the D.C. area, mm-hmm. and we can get outside and join, and hopefully, you know, cherry blossoms, that means cherry blossoms coming real soon, so hopefully that's happening soon. That's very true. So what do you plan to do this weekend? This weekend, actually, my, my wife will be out of town, so I'm going to have to be watching my daughter on my own, so I'm going to have my hands full, just me and my daughter, this weekend. Well, you said something about you may go to a movie. 
Well, yeah, a movie I do want to see is coming out today, Samson, uh, the movie on the biblical character, uh, Samson in the Book of Judges. I guess this is the first movie done on this biblical character in 50 years, but a lot of people might know Samson. He's known as having the incredible strength and the long hair, the locks that, um, you know, that were cut off in uh, dealing with Delilah yes. uh, and the situation and, and taking on the Philistines. Well, this movie's coming out, and I, I implore listeners, go online, look at the trailer. It looks like the Bible meets an action film. Um, mm-hmm. And the actor starting at Samson is Taylor James, is he an English actor, and I, I think he's kind of a newbie. He hasn't done a whole lot in movies or TV, so he'd be uh, a new person to see. But um, they do have a, a nice cast of actors. I know Billy Zane is one of them in the movie, and it just I think what this movie's trying to do is trying to capture the entire story of Samson, because I think people know little bits and pieces about him, especially, you know, his relationship with Delilah, the cutting of his hair, losing his strength. But I think they take the whole totality of, you know, him being born. You know, he was announced uh, by an angel to his parents. Kind of a typical biblical story. I think his, uh, his mother's beyond the age of having children. And it goes from that, you know, obviously till the end of the movie. But just look at the trailer. It's just action-packed and uh, exciting story. Yes, I definitely want to see it. I did check out the trailer. I think what interests me was that I only knew the story about the cutting of the hair and that darn Delilah, what she did. I don't like it. But um, this has a broader story, you know, uh, yeah. to it. So I'm dying to know. Yeah, a lot of people don't know he was actually married to another Philistine woman before Delilah. That's right. And th- and I, that I think the movie will cover also. So yeah, opening theaters across this country. So look at your local theater and check out Samson this Friday. Well, great. You know, I was thinking about you when you would talk about your daughter, and she's only three, and some things to do. How about going ice skating in Washington? You know, they've got this place in Georgetown down by the harbor. Do you know about it? Yes, I've seen it uh, several times. Yes, the ice skating rink down in Washington Harbor. It's a really nice location because you're right on the Potomac, and you're surrounded by uh, various restaurants. And what people love to do in D.C., but go for brunch, typically. So I would recommend go to brunch somewhere down there on the harbor, and then you can go ice skating. So, you know, whether you're adults, kids, I know they offer lessons there. That's um, right. For three on up. So if you're like me, and I'm actually from the Midwest, I've never ice skated in my life. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ice skated much, Christina? Or? Well, my ankles turn in. And unless I had double rows of, uh, you know, blades, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'm a roller skater when okay. I was younger. Well, so. th- this is roller skating and ice. And I know uh, <laughs> this time, you know, with uh, the Olympics in South Korea, all the ice skating events, um, speed skating. Why not go learn, if it's the first time or if you've done it many times before, it's the largest outdoor ice skating rink in Washington, D.C. And it's just beautiful scenery. And there's, you know, Georgetown has so much to offer there, too. So, I mean, you could just make a whole day of it and go explore other things. Okay, well, since we only got another minute, let me just tell you another place for ice skating. It's called the Watergate Hotel, top of the skate. It's rooftop skating. You can go up there and have a drink. Put your skates on, and you have the whole view, the 360-degree view of the Kennedy Center, the Potomac River, and the Key and Arlington Bridges. So how about that, taking your wife up there for a date sometime? That would be unique. I, I, I'd never imagined uh, ice skating on a rooftop. That, that has to be pretty cool. So, you know, nice scenic views and just uh, glide along the ice, and you said you can grab a drink or two and uh, make and even get up your it. nerve. Yes. <laughs> Is it just me, or does it seem like drinking and ice skating might not go all that well together? 
Probably not. You probably not. You probably want to keep those two separate. That might be a little too dangerous. Maybe do the ice skating first and then do the drinking later. Well, hopefully they got a big wall so you don't go off the building. Yes, hopefully plenty of railings and protection for you there. Well, it sounds like fun, Dan. Great to see you. And I look forward to speaking to you next week and hear what you did this weekend. Same here, Christina. Have a great weekend. You too. Did you know taking the oral contraceptive pill for cycle irregularities may delay or prevent a diagnosis? Try the alternative in NAPRO Technology Approaches, networking natural family planning and women's health, which can help discover the underlying cause. You can find your local fertility care center at fertilitycare.org forward slash Maryland or visit adw.org forward slash family for in-person or distance learning options. Your cycles and your doctor's care in harmony with your spirituality. Not sure what gift to get for your loved one or what book to read next? Go to Pascal Lamb. Pascal Lamb is a full-service Catholic bookstore and gift shop. Located in Fairfax, Virginia, Pascal Lamb has a large variety of top-quality merchandise and a knowledgeable staff. We're open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. For more information, call 703-273-5956 or shop online at pascallamb.com. My name is Peter Stepanek, and I'm a commercial photographer representing Sky High Art Media HD based in the nation's capital. We provide outstanding photography and HD video services. Our specialty is weddings, engagements, corporate events, executive portraits, product photography, real estate, image and branding, and more. Give us the opportunity to capture your special day, and we promise you 100% satisfaction guarantee. We can be reached at skyhighart.com. That's three words, skyhighart.com. Hi, I'm Christina Cox, and welcome back to Catholics in the Capitol. It is my pleasure to introduce a very special guest today. His name is Jake Heater, and Jake is the founder of the All Saints Museum in San Jose, California. Welcome, Jake. Welcome to our show. How are you today? Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me, Christina. It's a real blessing to be here. Well, you're welcome. You know, I wanted to share with our listeners today about why you started the Saints Museum and how you were raised in a traditional Catholic family as well. I found that it was so interesting that you are a collector of uh, data on saints and relics. So please share with us how you started your saints museum. Wonderful. So, you know, all glory to God. I think, um, you know, I was raised, like you said, in a, a very traditional Catholic family, raised with values and um you know, the faith has always been a part of my life. I can't say that I've had any, you know, uh, St. Paul moments where I had a real significant conversion like that. Um, but I think God's been grooming me in that way um, and continuing to grow in my heart. And just a few years ago, you know, I really felt a call in my heart to do more. I love the saints. And, um, you know, you go to like the tech museum or, or different um, family activities, and I'd see people doing things that inspired them in certain areas. And I felt like, uh, you know, we need something like that to help people be inspired about the saints, really. Well, that's very and interesting. So, so you're also married and with a Catholic family of your own. I understand you have three beautiful children and girls, and uh, you're very into the traditional way of the Catholic family. 
Absolutely. You know, and I think that that, uh, that's actually a wonderful segue because that speaks well to the saints. Um, You know, when we pray the Our Father, we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And um, I often contemplate the the transfiguration of our Lord where he kind of raises the veil there and we we see Jesus standing with two saints, (laughs) you know, Moses and Elijah, and they're... um, it's God's family, and I think that the saints are God's family. He wouldn't have created something here that uh, wasn't reflective of how our life is meant to be in heaven, too. And so I, I try to live that. I love our my family here on earth, my daughters especially. I always pray that they'll become saints. But that's where I find solace in um, having a relationship with the saints, because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, God our Father, Jesus has become our brother in a way. And, and through the body of Christ, his saints, uh, that's our, our real family that's going to be there eternally. And so we look forward to that. Well, absolutely. Amen to that. What I'm really interested into is the relics that you've collected, because we all share some of the most well-known saints. But today we're going to talk about some of the other saints that you have collected, like Saint Gemma, for example. Can you tell us why she was so special? Absolutely. So as I started to do a little research uh, in regards to my museum, I was looking up saints and came across St. Gemma. She's uh, she's called St. Gemma. Her parents had a difficult time naming her that because there was no other saint named Gemma, but her, I think her dad really liked the name. And, uh, you know, they said they ultimately ended up picking it because they said she'll eventually be a gem in heaven. And uh, so she stood out to me. Uh, in particular, really, because her image, if you look at her, she looks a lot like my oldest daughter. Oh. And uh, so she, Yeah, so she became real special to me, and through just a series of miracles, it was in March or so when I kind of came to know her, and I really w- wanted to uh, try to obtain a relic of her. So I wrote to Italy, to the Passionists, that's the uh, the order, the congregation that she would have belonged to. She wanted to be a, a passionist nun. Unfortunately, she uh, she died really young at the age of 23, and so didn't have a chance to enter the order. But they kind of claim her as their own. So I wrote I wrote there, and three weeks later on Good Friday, a very special day to her in particular, her relic arrived in my mail, and it was you know just uh, one of those moments where you know that. The saints are talking to you, and, and she was just kind of affirming the museum, affirming her, uh, her care and her guardianship over the museum, and I've kind of claimed her to be my, the patroness of All Saints Museum. Well, praise be to God. I mean, uh, Saint Gemma is also has the stigmata, correct? That's correct, yeah. So, you know, I always like the saying, there's no Easter without Good Friday, and uh, St. Gemma, she lived her life like that, and she she chose the uh, the passion of our Lord as her meditation point. You know, she said, one of her quotes, you know, is, um, let whoever wishes to meditate on Jesus on Mount Tabor, where he had the transfiguration, um, but she would prefer to be with our Lord on Calvary with his mother, you know, Our Lady of Dolores, so, uh, Our Lady of Sorrows, so... Uh, that was her special charism, and she received the stigmata and bore it in the last few years of her life, suffering immensely. But she offered it, you know, and it, it wasn't something that was empty. It was something that she wanted 
um, so that she could unite herself with Christ. As St. Paul said, you know, she makes up what's uh, lacking in Christ. And there's nothing lacking in Christ's sacrifice on the cross. What's lacking is our union in that. You know, we are the body of Christ, and so we need to always unite ourselves to Christ. He said, whoever wishes to be my disciple will take up his cross daily and follow me. And that's what St. Gemma did. Well, that's wonderful, Jake. So uh, you have another one of St. Francis of Assisi. Could you tell us how that came about? Absolutely. That one also has a, you know, a little bit of a story because I, I love St. Francis. Um, he, I chose him as my patron saint for confirmation. Um, he also bore the stigmata, you know, and um, I think a lot of people are lost on, on that. He, uh, the images of him and whatnot, I think, are painted nowadays, especially as him kind of in peace mode, frolicking in, in a, a bed of flowers. But he gave up everything. He lived in the wilderness. He wore tattered rags. He meditated on the passion of, of our Lord. Um, and he also bore the stigmata uh, and bore suffering patiently uh, as well. And so for me, he's a very manly man. And so right away, you know, that again, when I was kind of looking for what relics I'd want to uh, obtain, for stewardship of, I, I thought of St. Francis. I wrote to the basilica where his, uh, where he reposes, where his body is buried. And sure enough, the same thing, you know, right in uh, the October time frame, um, right around his feast day, in fact, I received a relic of his. And no kidding, it was a couple days before you and I talked for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you had no idea about it, but you told me when we talked, don't worry, Jake, you <laughs> just build your museum Build your museum brick by brick like St. Francis. <laughs> I did say and, that. <laughs> uh, yes, those words were really encouraging to me because I had just received the relic of him. And so, again, it was kind of a, just an indication that the saints are, they want to be known, you know, and I think this museum and our this radio show, you know, are a great way to evangelize and talk to people, have them get to know the saints. They'll, they'll bring us all to Christ, you now, know, Christ-centric. Okay. You and I share another saint that we both like very much, and that is St. Margaret Mary. Would you share about uh, the experience that you had on receiving her relic? Absolutely. So, you know, you had shared with me a personal experience that you had had, had, which included uh, a vision of our Lord's sacred heart. And you told me, you you had uh, emailed me and asked me if I had a relic of hers and uh, truthfully, you know, I, I had heard of her in the past, and that's come to be known to me now, but I hadn't really known her that well, and so I did some research on her, and I, um, I also came to love her a lot. St. Margaret Mary is fantastic. So I, I wrote, again, I, you know, I found the monastery where her uh, remains are, and I wrote them, and just, you know, I, I told them that I was uh, interested in, in acquiring a relic of hers in order to spread devotion to her, here in the Bay Area, really, um, and sure enough, they, you know, just a few weeks later, uh, they, they actually were kind enough to send the relic and kind of a, a care package. They sent a few pictures of her as well as some books and stuff, and so that relic has come into my stewardship, and I'm, I'm very, very blessed to have that. She is a, um, a wonderful saint who lived in the 16th century, or 17th century, I should say, and uh, she really spread devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. That's what she's known for, is um, her love for the sacred heart of Jesus. And, um, you know, I, I want to tie it back to St. Gemma, because if you read the life of St. Gemma, there was a point where she was on her deathbed, and uh, one of her 
priest told her that she should make a novena to St. Margaret Mary Ellicott. And, uh, you know, the humanity of St. Gemma, she actually tried several times to say this novena, but kept forgetting, and so it kept getting interrupted. Um, but another saint, St. Gabriel Pacenti, he appeared to St. Gemma and helped her through this novena to St. Margaret Mary for the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And on the ninth day, St. Gemma was miraculously cured. And so St. Gemma had a, a real, yeah, she had a big devotion too to, to St. Margaret Mary. So all the saints, they love each other. You know, I think that helps us to understand their relationship to us because they love us just as much. Well, that's wonderful, Jake. We only have a few more minutes to go. So I do want to encourage all our listeners out there to read up on these saints. And we can learn more about the All Saints Museum if we go to www.allsaintsmuseum.org. Please feel free to jot Jake a note or send him an email. It was just so wonderful to have you on the Catholics in the Capitol show. We hope you'll be a regular and come back and share with us some of the new saints that you are discovering. Thank you so much, Jake, and we pray for you and your family. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. God bless you. I look forward to being on in the future. Thank you, Jake. Have a great day. Bye now. You too. Well, that wraps up our show today, and I hope you all enjoyed listening to our special guests of stories and interviews, especially Secretary Jim Nicholson and Jacob Heather of the All Saints Museum. Don't forget to go to Jake's website and learn about the saints and the power of the relics, and that's www.allsaintsmuseum.com. Don't forget to contact Dan and Mike about our fabulous car raffle going on. I'm going to purchase some tickets. I don't know about you, but I could really use a new car. So I would definitely check that out. Go to the GRN online website and check out how to enter the car raffle. And thank you to our spiritual friend, Father Jack Hurley. He's a wonderful priest from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, the Apostle, and all those wonderful stories each week that he gives us about saints. Father is hosting a Bible series, so don't forget to go to the website of the Cathedral of St. Matthews during the Lenten season, and you can try it at www.stmatthewscathedral.org. And I want to thank Michael for joining me and chatting up stories about Catholics in the Capitol and about House Whip Steve Scalise and President Donald Trump. That was really interesting. I really enjoyed doing that and hearing about the National Prayer Breakfast. It's a powerful story. Thank you, Michael. Great job, as always. And as we're ending our program about the power of prayer, let's remember about the Blessed Virgin Mary, how she teaches us the power of the rosary. If you want to feel real power of the prayer, get into a rosary group or go online and say it with other people. I do that sometimes. And the rosary can be said praying alone or praying with others. And you will see each day that your faith will get stronger and your troubles will feel less and your heart will grow in faith. What is the rosary anyway? Well, it was given to St. Dominic. It's a series of prayers of Hail Marys and Our Fathers. The prayers take us through the life moments of Jesus Christ. We concentrate and focus on Jesus' life and we learn how God had a plan and he had a purpose for him to save and forgive mankind of their sins. At a time that we know that it's Easter, how about saying a daily rosary? It's something that we can do for a Lenten activity, is to pray to Mary, the mother of God, for guidance and intercession. I would like to end with one of my favorite prayers. It's called Hail, Holy Queen. 
Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in these valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, Holy Mother of God, that we will be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. Dear friends of Jesus and Mary, thank you for tuning into our show today, and may God bless you and your family. If you would like to contact me or write or make a comment about the show, please email me at christinacox at grnonline.com or like us on the Catholics in the Capital Facebook page. On the Facebook, there's lots of photos and information on our guests and co-hosts, so please send us a message. We'd like to conclude our show by thanking you for joining us today and especially to our wonderful sponsor, the Mona Electric Group. Tune in next week when we will have Jonathan Tedwell and another surprise guest. So join us on the journey of faith and hope. I am Christina Cox, your radio host for Catholics in the Capital. And don't forget to tune in next Friday at 1 o'clock on WMET 1160 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join me in saying, may God bless the Roman Catholic Church and God bless America. <laughs>